to show. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Off Mats Podcast. And if you were here last week with us and we talked about Hellraiser, you probably already figured it out. It's October. It's Horror Movie Month. We're going on a theme here this week. Skipping away from Hellraiser because I didn't really know much about it. But Joe and Phil took care of that. Did a great job. I loved it. This week, I want to go into A Nightmare on Elm Street. And the reason being is because that's one of those uh, bigger franchises that everybody knows about. My grandma knows about it. Hell, everyone. So I want to sit down with a friend of the podcast, Newt. He's been here before with us a couple other times. And he and I, we talk about just nonsense like this on Messenger, like at just random hours. So I figured let's hop on here, record it. And share our conversation with the listeners. So, Newt, welcome back, man. How you been? I'm good, man. Thanks for thanks for having me back. It was fun the first time, a little bit strange the second time, uh, third time's a charm. Hey, the second time, I, th- I felt like the second time, it was one of those things like, look, you guys are in town. Let's let's get on the mics. I, I think, I don't know about you guys, but I was, I was drinking quite a bit of wine, so I don't know, but... It's a fun time all the same. It's always great having you on, great having Tommy and you together. So that was a lot of fun. Um, I got you back here for this one, though. And like I said, we're going to talk about A Nightmare on Elm Street. More uh, specific, I want to talk about really the first one, the original, and then the remake that took place, I want to say, in 2013. It's funny. It's on in the background, but I just 2010. What the fuck was 2013? Probably Friday the 13th, I think which I'm not, that's going to be a next week episode, but we're not talking about the remake at all. Like I, like, I watched the Nightmare remake the first time I didn't like it, then I watched it another time, and I was like, oh, you know what? I didn't give it a fair shot. So um, there is a little bit more respect for it now after having watched it a couple more times. But um, one of the things I, I mentioned to you before we got recording, just talking about the original versus the remake is... How an original, you know, they just kind of jumped into the story with Freddy and they talked about his past and you just get kind of a, a shadow of a backstory for him. Whereas in the reboot, as I'm actually looking at the scene right now, you know, they're showing like a full blown like he's interacting with the kids and the, like the, the mom's telling the story. You kids were his life. He loved you guys. But Nancy, you were his favorite. How do you feel about stories giving more depth to the villain? I think if you watch this movie as a movie itself, as opposed to a remake, the background story is important so you know where they're coming from. With Freddy especially, because you don't know why this is happening to these kids. And with this kind of uh, back with the back flashes and the backstory, I think you, you kind of get it. When I watched the first time, I don't think like I got that they were given that backstory, but it just didn't click for me that way. I think because immediately when I saw that, my first thought was, Oh wow. Now we're going to make the, the perpetrator, the victim. 
And, and, you know, that's before they kind of went deeper into it. Then it turned out like, oh no, that's not at all what they're doing. You know, they, they pulled a fast one. They, they really are showing that this dude is a monster. Whereas in the, in the original one, they just kind of really, I, I think with all those classic horror movies, Halloween and Nightmare on Elm Street being the, the bigger examples where it's like in Halloween, Michael Myers was just a being of pure evil. And he didn't even have a name. They just call him the shape. And then in, in A Nightmare on Elm Street, Freddy was just this horrible person who was torturing the kids. He was, you know, obviously, you know, tortured by the parents. So his whole thing was, I'm coming back to get you. But even in the original one, it did, you know, they didn't really give any kind of, you know, feel to where, you know, why are you going after the kids? Yes, the parents torched you. But did you do any, like, what was the relationship to the kids? You know, there was none in the original one, at least nothing perceived. What I liked about the two of them is with the, with the original, it was kind of like the revenge factor. Cause you didn't know what was happening and why it was happening until the mother. And I'll get to her later on kind of with the story that she told with the, with the, the one from 2010, I hate calling it a remake, reboot, whatever you want to call it. With the new movie, it, it kind of set Freddy up, like you said, with the notion that he was a quote-unquote victim. But later in the movie, you find out that he was really just this horrible person. And I, I, I kind of like that. The reason being is, is every everybody starts off, I mean, no baby starts off as a horrible, horrible person. You develop into into whatever you become as a person. And with Freddie, with that being said, with Freddie being around all those kids and with, with what was happening, what he was doing to them, what got me was with the parents. The The torture scene really could have been done a little bit better, in my, in my, in my opinion. Because all they did was they chased him into a warehouse and they set it on fire. They didn't beat him. They didn't, they, didn't, they didn't torture him like they tortured their kids. And you as a parent would know, if anybody messes with my kid... They're going to get what they gave my kid and then some. The whole movie to me seemed a little bit, I hate, rushed maybe, just so they sure. could get everything cut into an hour and a half. Yeah. They could, have, they, they could have went a little bit more deeper in what they did to Freddy. But as far as the characters go, the, the kids, the the between the first and the second one, the Nancy, I actually liked the Nancy in the second one better than the first one because yeah. she was a little bit more, a little bit more of a loner. A little bit more of a, there's something kind of off with her, but she, she didn't know what. And it took her a little bit to figure it out that, hey, my mom, the parents did this. And that's kind of where I'm at with, with who I am as a person. It's kind of like a parallel. Of, I'm kind of a loner. My parents are trying to protect me from the evil that happened to me when I was a kid that they blocked out for some for some reason. I know if something happened to me as a child, I mean, I'm 50, 51 years old. I still remember. I still remember nightmares that I've had when I was three years old. Things that kind of, you know, flash back in your head and memory. And, and those kids were completely brainwashed to where they were like, none of them remembered. Hell, they didn't even remember going to kindergarten together. And I still got, I mean, with Facebook, but I've still got friends that I know from first and second grade. So th that is one thing that I, I thought about that too. And like you said, it, it felt like it was a rush movie, just kind of cramming into, you know, 90 minutes. I get that because that was my initial feeling, too. I was like, this 
does you know it feels like they could have put a little bit more into it it's like when like with the warehouse scene with them catching freddie and torching them um you know and just kind of giving that backstory i felt like you know there's a lot more emphasis put on that but then the rest of the movie lacked depth you know it, the rest of the movie felt like you know with the kids not remembering each other that's real weird because my, my my five-year-old right now she, that kid she remembers every fucking thing you know so it's like for the yeah yeah she like so she saw the picture that i put up on facebook from the baseball game and she started talking about the popcorn she started talking about getting the ball talk about uh wanting to see tigers you know you know so in that movie it's like you know for these kids to say you know there's a picture of me and uh you know the one guy but i don't remember him before you know such and such a grade you know, high school. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was like, yeah, much older. And it's like, come on, dude, really? And I, I think if they would at least, you know, kind of alluded to some kind of, I mean, this would have been a bigger task, but like, you know, if hypnosis, you know, like wipe these kids' brains, make them forget. If they at least alluded to something like that, that at least now answers a big question. I mean, it's still kind of some fuckery, but, you know, at least it's not like, oh, they just, separate the kids didn't let them play until high school and you act like they would never remember each other and it, along with that now you'll forget that this horrible man you know uh molested you so yeah but I, I feel like when you take again that that part of the movie or you know that that second movie having it felt like they had the right idea they had you know a, a good plan it's just the execution of it versus again the original one i think it was just like look let's just throw it all out there on the table and let's give them what we can and even with the original one you know you still get into this thing of these kids are being haunted these kids are being tortured but for what and again the parents you know they caught fred krueger they tortured them and burned them but you know there was still no real explanation as to okay but he's coming after you kids and, you know, we almost kind of have a similar thing where it's like, well, do, you know, did something happen to them and they not remembered? So within both of these movies, there is a big gap in memory as to what Fred Krueger did to the kids and then him being captured and, you know, torched. With the first one, the first one to me, I watched the first one last night. And I had to basically remember me at 13 watching that movie and me at 51 watching that movie and seeing the differences of, holy shit, this is what's going on. And then I'm like, oh, okay, now I know what the, what the parents were going went through. And that's when I started to question, well, why didn't they just fuck this guy up a little bit more? And you're right. There was no, like, I'm going to get revenge on you and your children until later on in the series when you kind of went in deeper into the freddy krueger character down the line but for the first movie it was kind of in both of them it's kind of like let's just throw shit on a wall see what sticks we've got a we've got an outline for the for the second for the for the second one with jackie earl haley and but the first one was like okay let's just try this 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 and this scare the shit out of everybody from the age 15 to 21 and just kind of move forward with them doing that, though, again, I think it was just, especially with the original one, uh, the first one, I, I think it was just, you know, that slasher era. So it was really just like, let's put the fear out there. It's just the ideal of a dream killer. 
that alone is terrifying. That were now if this movie had originally come out in 2010, like just fresh, it would have been a nice original ideal, but I don't know that it would have had the effect that the first one had, like just especially just as Freddy Krueger became this this larger than life pop icon over the years versus now like really now if if i went to my gym with most of the people who do jujitsu there uh i want to say between let's say 22 and 30 and i say freddy krueger i don't know that many of them would even know what the fuck i'm talking about i think i think they would I think they would know what Freddy Krueger is, but they wouldn't know. Like they, I, I would say that they probably haven't seen the movies. Like the the closer into the twenty two, like the younger ones, like the ones in their thirties, more than likely yes. Um, one of my previous guests actually, they're, they're younger, and I brought up Nightmare on Elm Street, and you know they also mentioned like they they were aware of it. They'd never seen the movies though, and it fault. just. Yeah, it was like like now to be fair, they're not really a horror movie fan, but I felt like Freddy kind of trans transcended horror at one point. It was just like you don't have to be into horror movies to know who Freddy is. Like I said, my grandma knows who Freddy is. My grandma don't watch no horror movies. Well, the Fresh Prince makes a song about you. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. a little bit. You know, it's a great song, by the way. I love it. Yeah. I love the music. The music yeah. from the first. The music from the first one is way better. Just because it's more eerie, mm-hmm. but the music, the music from the second one, from the from the new one, is more of a heavy metal vibe. It's more of a gritty. And that's that's kind of what I liked about the second one. It was more gritty. It was more. Yeah. It, there was more to it than just. Oh, I'm having a bad dream, and there's a guy killing me in a dream. This is this is the the boiler room scene. The 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 I I messaged you the other day about the pie, whole Pied Piper aspect of it. Yeah. Yep. And I I think that's kind of what the vibe that they were trying to get with the second one. Mm-hmm. That that it was. Hey, this guy this guy did the, the horrible horrible things to this, this this town. You know, upwards of twenty kids from what I learned from the first one. But then the parents did X did did, did what they did to him, burned him, set him on fire, and with with the revenge factor, that's kind of what I got from the second one with the whole revenge factor where you kind of didn't get that with the first one. Correct. And what I, what I did like about the, the original was the aspect of with her dad. Cause in the second one, you had no, you didn't know about her dad. You didn't, you know, she had no dad. It was basically her and her drunk mom. That's, that's kind of what I, what I, the vibe that I got, which is, which is fine because nowadays nobody's got a dad. You know, there's there's divorce, you know, death, whatever. There's no positive male aspects in a lot of people's lives, and I can I get that. Well, yeah. the world would be a better place if there was, but this is the world we live in today. Now, with that, with that, I want to get to the moms. The mom in the first one is horrible. She's a horrible yeah. person. She's a drunk, and I when I messaged you yesterday because when I was watching it, she actually kept the glove. Yeah, like that's a token. I don't know why she did it. They could have. She hit it in the and she just happened to leave it in a boiler. 
and she called it a cellar, not a basement. It was just kind of that kind of weirded me out a little bit because it doesn't make her as bad as Freddie, but it makes her kind of a bad person. Well, um, well, that's the thing though too. It's like serial killers; they keep tokens, they keep trophies, you know, and that falls in that pocket. It's like, okay, you guys did that. But my thing is like, and I guess this is more so just. For, for the sake of the story, it's like, why'd she get to keep it? But, I mean, I don't think that's neither here nor there, to be quite honest. But it is just kind of a thing. It's like, and maybe she chose it because she is a horrible person. Because even when you get later into that movie, you know, she's sitting there. She's punch drunk. And, you know, she's got Nancy locked in the house. You know, she's restricted. And she knows Nancy's suffering. She knows Nancy's going through this. She, Nancy, at this point, already pulled the hat out of the out of the nightmare. You know, they know something's going on and mom's like, look, fuck it. I'm not listening to you. You're stuck in here with me. Face your demons. I, you know, and, and maybe it was a sign of the times, just it being that era versus now, you know, maybe parents are like, oh, you know, let's get you to some sleep therapy and, you know, get you medicated. Well, it's, it's when I was watching the, the original, the when they took her to the dream clinic, when she was, you know, put under by Roger Rabbit, if I didn't know if you knew that. The guy who played the doctor was Roger Rabbit. Yeah, which was which was kind of weird. Um, it you know it was kind of with a parallel scene with the one in the in the remake, and they she, she's like, no, don't put me to sleep. But it was after Freddie had struck her arm, and then they took her to the hospital. They're like, we're gonna make we're gonna put you out. So and nowadays, knowing what it takes to get medicine, that wouldn't happen either. So. I feel like when we look at the parenting from the first one, like you said, having the dad in that aspect too, I felt like just there were pieces of the first one that just felt like, like I said, watching that movie, I felt like there was something bigger going on. Actually, I I transitioned. I put that on. That's on in the background right now. Um, You're kind of hoping there is something bigger. Well, it, especially with with the original one, yeah, it just felt like there's something bigger going on. Versus, but I also think too, it wasn't as rushed. It felt like they took a little bit more time. There's some pieces that were a little out of sort, but not so much that really were glaring. But it, it felt like a complete movie. Yeah, until the end. Well, yeah. Well, then they filmed three or four different endings, and then they went with the one that. Wes Craven, he didn't, I don't think he wanted that one originally. I, I think I, they wanted, I, I think he wanted it to be a final end, like no, like, you know, no thought or hope that there'll be more. He, he just wanted to stop. Yeah. And they he, shouldn't. He well, sequel. Hmm. I know, I know for a fact that he didn't want a sequel, but like you said, a cash grab is a cash grab. Well, I mean, it, it was that era too. It, it was coming. So, and I mean, you know, what came of the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise and Freddy Krueger, period. That's exactly what you got. It was a huge cash grab. Like I said, Freddy Krueger became a pop icon. You know, Fresh Prince has got a song, you know, Nightmare on My Street. You know, he he like had the Nightmare on Elm Street TV series, which was not I, I didn't enjoy it. I only remember one episode, but I know there are more. Um, but and a nine hundred number, yeah, and yeah, and the nine hundred number, yeah, kids are, wow, kids are jacking up five hundred dollar phone bills to talk to Freddy Krueger on a recorded line. Yeah, that's. I mean, you know, the, what what Wes Craven didn't want, 
from all of this is exactly what came from all of this. And, you know, I, I, well, I think he didn't get back involved with it again until Freddy's or uh, uh, Wes Craven's uh, new nightmare, right? New nightmare. New ni- yeah, the new nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. Other than that, I yeah, think he was, he was like, just I, like, I got nothing to do with out. it. Yeah. And you can kind of see that. I mean, you know, those sequels were a little out there. I, I mean, I still love number three, Dream Warriors. That's Actually, one of the after. Bunch. Um, after we talked last year for our episode, I went to work uh, to a new location, and on the radio was Dream Warriors playing. And every time <laughs> I went there for like the next three weeks, that song came on, and I was like, "Wow, this is fucking crazy!" <laughs> um, and like to a point, then I told my wife, "Okay, I need to get that single. I need to buy it and just have it <laughs> on my phone." Um, but that franchise you know became what it became you know then they went to the new nightmare Wes Craven's new nightmare and then Freddy versus Jason and then we got the 2010 no, Freddy's version dead. Freddy's dead well, came Freddy's after dead. I thought that was before new nightmare Freddy, it was um, new nightmare Freddy's well Freddy goes to hell that's what the original title was and then the yeah so the, the sequence I, I know where they're at but it's just kind of not fresh in my head. Yeah, I, it's funny because I had only seen the first one and the third one. I haven't really like like the others have been on in my presence, but I never cared. You know, it's like I will watch them, but I wouldn't like pay attention. Like, you know, I grab a comic book while it's on because I, I just watched number four uh, last year and like and just sat there and watched it. I was like, holy shit, this is really bad. It's like, and then and I was like, I, I tried to watch uh, number five. I think that was the dream child. And I was like, holy shit. <laughs> why am I even, it's worse. like, yeah, it's like each one I was asking myself, like, why are you doing this to yourself? But again, number three, it's like number three was kind of that sweet spot where it had enough scary and serious to it, but just the right amount of Freddy personality as well. So it wasn't it wasn't overpowering. I think that's where Freddy kind of got his legs mm-hmm. Dream Warriors. Um yep. one and two. Two is I really liked two because of the story. Like Freddie wanted to get out and get get to that kid and be, yep. and take over his soul. I really like that. And it's the you know the first one with you know with without really a final girl you know you yeah. know it's it's just with um i like one and two and three was great three was a great movie great story and that's where freddie got his legs as a character with you could kind of tell in the first one that freddie was this evil being that had a purpose to gain his revenge and then with the second one with him being in the same house with with kind of still there, this presence still being in that house, that it, with the scene, I'll tell you, the scene that still gets me, man, is when at that pool party in the second one, when he's like, "You're all my children now." That's when yeah. it became everybody, not just the kids on night on Elm Street. Everybody, if you have it, if you you're, I'm fuck it, I'm gonna I'm gonna get you all. I'm taking yeah. all the hell with me. It it wasn't until the I think I want to say the third time I watched it. Uh, 
Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2 that it clicked. Because the first time I watched it, it was kind of just going through the motions. And then I was like, all right, that's fine. I, I did it. Nothing to it. I watched it the second time. You know, and then, I, you know, took my my jokes with it. It was like, okay, that's silly. That That seems wrong. Something's funny there. Then the third time, you know, you start to kind of get that sense of, like you said, he's trying to possess this kid. He's trying to get out. And and this is the only well, I mean, the first one she pulls him out of the dream, but in the uh, Nightmare on Elm Street Part Two, you know, he's at the pool party. He he escapes. He's out. Yeah, he's out, and he is actually physically, you know, causing the havoc. You know, and, and, and physical and, being. Yeah, he he is like there. Whereas you know, you get back to you know Dream Warriors. Now he's back in dreams. Um, you know, I don't think they play with the idea of like pulling them out of the dream. It was just like, look, we're gonna put you under, we're gonna hypnotize everybody, and we're gonna get in there, and everybody had their special powers. Uh, you know, it, it, there was a lot of a lot of good that came with that movie, just as far as like just the script. You you had a really good cast. Um, you know, some good young early actors coming up. A great cast. Um, you know, so it, it was that type of movie that I. I just feel like it doesn't get the credit that it deserves. I think it's like it's a lot. It gets a lot of credit, to be honest with you. It's probably the best one in the franchise. I definitely getting, think that it's the best one. I agree. Yeah, I do too. I it's 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 the best one in the franchise. I I know we talked about it, how we rank, we rated them, and and two's underrated. Two's I mm-hmm. two two to me is like like I said, it's like with him. He's like, look, I'm. I'm done. I, I, everybody, you're if you're a child of Elm Street, you're my you're I'm coming for you. I'm gonna be in your dreams. I'm gonna I can manifest both worlds and I can I can do what I want to do when I want to do it. That actually answers though the question though too, because you know, as you go deeper into the franchise, he's, he's tormenting all these kids, and it's like, okay, well, look, the damage has been done with the first one. Like it's over. How many kids, you know. You know how how many people are you really affected? But then when you get to the idea of that second one, where it's like, look, you're all my children. If you're here on Elm Street, you're my property. Mm-hmm. You know now that trails out because then that gives you the idea, like, oh, this guy is far reaching. It's not just here. Yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah. Elm Street. It's you know. So now, I don't know if you know about the background of where Wes Craven got that idea from with the with the Peruvian kid who was having the dreams of somebody killing him in his dreams yeah and the, and the kid ended up dead and he's that always stuck with him it's one of those things the world like i said with going back to his childhood he heard that story and he's aging and making all these great great movies that he's made before he's like well i gotta get this idea out and i gotta get this this story told and the way he did it with with the original was you know, it was one of those, like I said, with one of those things with the whole slasher thing, but it wasn't a, it wasn't a true slasher movie until the second, third, and fourth one. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. more psychological with dreams, and everybody sleeps, everybody dreams. Yeah, I mean, you get to a point, you know, as you're watching that first one, and that that is kind of the scary thought is like everyone's trying to not sleep. You have to sleep. And that is a terrifying thought in itself because if you're trying, if you're so scared to go to sleep, you're terrified and you're fighting, you're fighting, you're trying to keep yourself awake. 
you you know you then go into this this psychosis where you know you don't know if you know what's reality anymore so that's where now this movie really takes some real shape and with the with the remake that's where they delved a little bit more deeper into that part too with the psychosis part of am i really dreaming am i awake am i why is this happening and where where am i in my sleep cycle where am i in my awake cycle with the characters in the second one or the re- the, the the remake we'll call it the remake going forward like i, I like that part where they're like this is you have stages where if you hit a certain point your body shuts down you're going to dream anyways it's yeah. it's how you control yourself in your dream and how your body reacts to it because you could end up in a coma where you're just basically dreaming all the time with your brain still functioning but your body's like i gotta shut down i have to relax i have to rejuvenate my body and that's the perfect spot to where an entity like freddie is gonna come and boom there you're, you're his i wonder with i mean i you know i guess obviously you know as years have gone on you know one's made in what 84 and the other one's made in 2010 you know yeah. obviously tech you know science and technology has come a long way with what we know about sleep therapy and and you know what happens with dreams and whatnot so you know they had a you know a lot more to work with in that 2010 version which you know it's good it's good because you know that's again where i felt like some of the movie lacked some depth they did add other parts that gave it a little a little bit more sauce where you didn't get those pieces in the the first one you know just kind of weighing them against each other it's like they're Watching, haven't watched, you know, the newer one again, uh, multiple times recently. I do appreciate it a lot more than I did the first time. The first time I think I was just being, you know, a brat and saying, well, I don't want, I don't want a remake of Freddy. I don't want, you know, a remake of, you know, Halloween. I don't want a remake of Friday the 13th. Leave the originals alone and, you know, give me more sequels. if, If anything, they might be trash, but, you know, let's not redo it but then you get to see newer things you know stuff from the original but some details that's brought out that you didn't have the knowledge for back then so that was a good a good thing i want to just make a quick point about the freddies themselves i was on imdb today and the the 2010 version was like at like a 3.5 rating and it's underrated as a movie. That movie is good. The Freddies themselves comparable. A lot of people went in with the Jackie Earl Haley character saying, well, he'll never be Robert England. And I don't think that's what he tried to do. Mm. I, I think that Jackie Earl Haley was uh, Freddy Krueger, the way Freddy Krueger was meant to be played in 2010. That he as a predator, as a demon, as a... Uh, manifestation of people's dreams was the ultimate nightmare. I can say one thing when you, you know, you take the comparison between uh, both Freddy's and, and from just both, both, you know, 2010 and 84, I think they both played the role the way it was meant to be played at its time for that particular movie. Correct. Now I, I think what people were wanting with 2010 is we know Freddy Krueger with all this personality, all the jokes, all the humor. That's what we want here. And that's not what you're supposed to get in that movie. 
you're supposed to get a terrifying and watching it, I didn't want that. Yeah, and then that's, no. that's what I wanted. I, that's that's exactly what I got too. I got I got that. I just kind of wish they weren't like you said. They weren't as sympathetic to the character in the 2010 one with with the kids kids questioning their parents. Well, did he really do it? Did he really do it? And, we all know he did it. Well, and, and that's a weird thing with it too, because like I said, it's like they give you this kind of pump fake where you're just like, did, did he do it? Did he do it? And you know, as you get deeper into the movie, you find out he really did do it. So I did like that. They, you know, came back and took, you know, took it away. I, I don't know. I just, yeah, I, I don't like the initial ideal of making you question like, well, wait a minute. Did they kill an innocent man? It's like, it, it, you know, it, it puts you in a weird spot. Um, just again sympathizing with the perpetrator. I was like, wait a minute, nah, this dude is doing bad stuff. Don't don't give him the time of day. And then they eventually make it like, oh nope, he definitely did. We got pictures, you know, we got you know proof. Yeah, and with the it's when the that scene in the boiler room with when he when he finds the Polaroids, you you, you kind of needed that, but you didn't need it the way they did it. She they could have they could have well he it was kind of like you said it was kind of rushed like. Oh, here's these pictures. Oh, he did it. Now what? Like you said, like the now what? It like it, it did feel rushed. It, I'm not like I said. I'm not crazy about anything being redone and remade. It, it's just like the whole thing with remakes and reboots and everything like that. It's always like, well, you know, let's give it, you know, this story to a new generation. It's like, well, let the new generation get their own shit. Like we got ours, you 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 embrace our shit and 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 love it. Like when when Rob Zombie redid Halloween in 07, they showed a bunch of I don't twenty somethings. They showed a bunch of people in their twenties the original Halloween and they'd never seen it before. And they're like, "This is supposed to be scary." It's like, I mean, you know, you got to take the time that this came out. Yeah, you know, versus now this that like. In in granted the Rob Zombie Halloween, it it for its time worked. It, it had its moments. But the original Halloween, the original nightmare, the original Friday the 13th, for the time that they came out, th- there was a power to it. That we, that we had never seen anything like that. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's a huge thing. You know, like, these these damn kids nowadays, you know, with their video games and their rap music, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm grumpy old man, but we had never seen that. We had never seen a force like Michael Myers. We had never seen a force like Freddy Krueger. And I'm not even going to talk about Friday the 13th because we all thought it was Jason. Yeah. Everybody thought it was Jason. Yeah. Spoiler alert, it wasn't Jason. I mean that that was a great one too because like you said everybody thought it was something else and then when you get to the end and you see it's like wait a minute yeah something something's not right with this lady <laughs> yeah like <laughs> like huh um but you know and that's the thing with the ideal of doing a remake of any sort it's like I just don't like it because it it's not going to translate the same that it did back then but if I were to say, hey, why don't we try this Nightmare on Elm Street thing one more time? Let's try one more time. But, you know, give it some heart. Like I don't think they could have gotten a better actor to play Jace or Freddy, sorry, in the, the, the new one, in the reboot, in the remake. I think Jackie Earl Haley is, is a great actor. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, he's played some weird, weird characters uh, with, yeah. you know, Watchmen. Yeah. I mean, hell, even going back to Kelly Leak and the little Bad News Bears. And I don't know if you've seen this movie. It's it's kind of a, like, Suffer the Little Children, I think it's called, where he actually played a pedophile. Mm-mm. I'm not seeing and it. it's 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 got a couple scenes in it to where you're like, wow, did I really just need to see that? But it's it's got the chick from Titanic in it. Um, it's kind of a mushy love story with like a backstory where he plays like a sex offender. I'll get you. I'll I'll DM you the title of it. You can kind of watch it. Just watch yeah. the parts he's in because you can see that this this character that he's got it's got a lot of Freddy Krueger in him, and it's kind of a. Where he reaches a point to where, you know, it's it's just it's there's a crazy there's a couple crazy parts you know where you're like, man that's that's that doesn't go with the story but this is pretty freaking awesome, and 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 I I don't know if you know this backstory with Jackie or Haley, and Johnny Depp do you know about that? I heard something he, about it. He originally auditioned for Nightmare on Elm Street the original. Yeah. And he took his pal Johnny Depp with him, and Johnny Depp got the part, and he didn't. So it kind of came full circle to finally got to play Freddy Krueger in in Nightmare on Elm Street. And I don't, I like, I don't think they could have got a better actor to play it. I I, I saw today, and uh, I was doing a little research today, and it's six hours in the chair to do the makeup, and they yeah. finally got it down well, to about three wow. hours. And so six hours, you become that that character. I mean, you become. I mean, if you sit for six hours anywhere, you're going to get angry, you can get a little bit pissy, you're going to get hungry, and you can kind yeah. of put yourself into the character to where you don't you don't like these kids because these this is the reason why you sat for six hours. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and that's that's the thing with acting is you know, or having just a good actor in a role. It's like you know when you get someone, you know, and we always, you know, always, you know, tip our hats to Christian Bell and Daniel Day Lewis, and and really jumping into their roles and and going crazy with it, you know. But you know, again, you get someone that, you know, they'll do their, they not even necessarily do their homework, do their research, but you know, they they have to channel it. Like even with pro wrestling, like Chris Jericho, uh, hearing a story about him being in the elevator with the dad and the son. And the kid was a fan. The kid asked Chris Jericho for an autograph. And Chris said no. And he explained, like, look, the reason I said no is because I am a hill. And if I give this kid an autograph. He's going to go back to school. Yeah. Tell all his friends that Chris Jericho's a hell of a guy. Yep. The next thing you know, he's like, oh, my God, Chris Jericho's a face. Yep. So, you know, like kind of carrying on, like just. You know, you know, when you're playing a role of any sort and, and you're you, you stay in that character, and like you said, sitting in that chair for six hours, you're starting to get angry, you're starting to get frustrated, you're annoyed, hungry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you only have so many milkshakes, you know, I, I mean, want some food. And, yeah, and he was he, he uh, he was talking about being in the chair and he get all the makeup on and then they had to put the contacts in, mm. and the contacts were oversized hurt his eyes you couldn't see and it just put him in a place to where he's like man i just i just gotta get i gotta get through this to get this done because it's my job but i don't have to like doing it mm. I, don't, I i can be i can be this person that they want me to be and it showed it and and he, he showed it very well and i think he's he got maligned for it because he wasn't robert england 
being the funny guy. Yeah, that's that's a dangerous thing when you have a, an iconic character played by one person for so many years. So now you step into those shoes and that's what they want. But I think, again, what people wanted was Freddie after number three. They wanted that jokester. They yeah. wanted the guy wearing the sunglasses, the guy wearing the tuxedo. They wanted the quick, you know, quips that, you know, and again, for this movie that can exist, he has to be terrifying. He has to be stoic, you know, cause otherwise, you know, no one's going to take it serious. Yeah. And I don't think that I like, I think that, that the, the remake is on par with the original. There's two scenes that really kind of got to me. The tub scene in both movies, and I, 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 I messed you yesterday about this. The tub scene yeah. in the first one with, when Nancy falls asleep and the glove comes out, that is that is one of those scenes where you're like, where you're like, wow, man, he's she, you know she's asleep because Freddie's there. But number one, who takes a bubble bath in 16? To where it's just one of those, it was kind of like one of those scenes like, let's put her in a bubble bath. Let's, let's have her pull her down. And in the in the remake, when when she went to the same basically the same scene, and it's the the I'm your boyfriend part. I don't know yeah. if, you, if you if you remember the the first one when he comes to the phone and he sticks his tongue in her, in her mouth. Mm-hmm. The second one when when they when they played that part when he when he went after her boyfriend in the boiler room this time, and he's right up next to her, and he's in her ear and he's in her face and he's like, "I'm your boyfriend now." You know, there was no, it was just kind of like, man, this is nuts. As as crazy as the tongue coming through the phone was, the effect was great. But just the psychological part of him being like right next to her and just kind of like, you know, I'm your boyfriend now. That was, that got me, man. It was like, like when we were watching it the other night, I pointed out to my wife um, in in the uh, remake and I was like, you know, it clicked in my head. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, you know, from the first one. But, it, you know, in the first one, it was through the phone. You know, he kisses us. I'm your boyfriend now, Nancy. Funny enough, right now, as the as the movie's playing in the background, the bathtub scene just happened. The mom just walked in, woke her up, told her don't fall asleep in the tub okay. uh, or don't drown. Okay. So, oh, it, now she just got pulled under. But, yeah, there, there are the parallels, you know, between the movie you know, it still gives it its life, but I do like how the newer one is its own thing still. Because you know, there, it, like yeah. a lot of remakes, that that is kind of the ideal with the direct a new director coming in. They, you know, you want to make it your own thing. Um, like what was it? A uh, Psycho? Uh, was it Gus Van Zant? I think it was who did the uh, the remake of Psycho and did oh, it shot for shot, frame for frame. Yeah, it's like Jesus Christ, dude. Like, like make it your own. Like, and I don't mean with like Vince Vaughn and Anne Hayes. Yeah, if you're gonna if you're gonna do an iconic movie like Psycho, like like the Elm Streets, make it your own. Make it make it something that mm-hmm. nobody's seen that you can compare the two and sit on a podcast on and, and talk to a pal and be like, okay, this is this is what I saw. What did you see? And with yeah. with the original one. There's a lot of parallels too, and I, I get Wes Craven. I can see a lot of the Wes Craven now from the movies that he's made since the original Iron on Elm Street, like Scream. There's a there's a part where when Johnny Depp sneaks through Nancy's window, yeah, just like Scream. 
just kind of it's kind of like I, I I can see it, and I think that was I don't know if it was a more of a homage to Nightmare on Elm Street, or if it was one of those things where it's kind of like a like a paradox of the, the, both these movies are made by the same guy and he likes this particular scene, like Tarantino on his feet, but no. it's, it's, <laughs> sorry, but it's one of those things to where you can, you can, you can kind of see it. And it's, it's, and it's even like with the Fred, the Fred janitor part in screen, you know, played by Wes Craven. So, so th- that was something actually, and as you meant, you just talked it up. He's creeping through the window right now. Um, <laughs> It's okay. like we watched my, my friend and I, we watched um, Halloween H2O the other night in preparation for our recording for Halloween. And one thing that we're talking about with Halloween H2O is it came out what um, two years after screen. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the stuff that you saw in H2O because I think the same writing team was involved. You know, it, there was just like, you know, we're talking about kind of the eras of, of movies and how this this late 90s era was, you know, there's just this this style and this feel that you had to it where you saw it heavily in Scream, obviously, you know, with Wes Craven coming back and, you know, he's he's got this movie that's great. And you get Halloween H2O come up and it's almost like they tried to mimic a lot of stuff from screen, but in a joking manner that didn't go over well. Cause when we watched that movie the other night, like I got angry because <laughs> I went to see it in the theater twice and I was excited. And, and now when I look back on, it, I'm like, why was I so stupid? You're mad at yourself. Yeah. For, for, for taking that bite because you were all jacked up. Cause it was, Man, Halloween H two O twenty years later, Jamie Lee Curtis, you yeah. know all that, all that, all that stuff, and then you're like, you're now you're like, damn, it, it, it was a joke. Yeah, it, and I think they kind of made it as a joke. Yeah, I mean, well, there are scenes in it that they did that they're trying to like kind of pay tribute to the original, but again, in a joking way. Like in the original Halloween, you'd have Michael kind of standing in the background. And someone's just walking around, not noticing him there. And then they turn around to face him and he's not there. Mm-hmm. So they did that in H2O a couple times, but it was kind of like a, done in a mocking way. And I feel like just that era of movies, it, there there was almost kind of like a, you want to make fun of original horror, you know, kind of like an idea, like, look, we are aware, you know, you want to be aware of yourself. It seems like what they're doing. There's actually a scene in the first movie in the original Nightmare on Elm Street like that. When the, when the first murder, when the first murder happens, that when uh, the guy they think did it grabs Nancy, she's walking to school. Number one, if my friend gets murdered, I'm not going to school the next day. I, you know, yeah. I, I don't know what, why, why, why that was kind of, she was like, no, I got to go to school. But the, she looks over and there's a guy in a suit and a tie. And I'm kind of like, well, who the fuck is that guy? And it turns out he's a cop. And they, they, but they, it's kind of like they knew he was going to go try to get Nancy, try to explain what happened. And with Nancy, you know, with the, with the part of Nancy, like, you set me up, dad, you set me up. So she kind of put herself in that, put, put her dad in that position, like, he kind of knows what knew what was going on, 
but he didn't want to tell her. And then with the funeral scenes that on both movies with Nancy with in the in the remake, Nancy kind of kind of was like, "Well, wait, I kind I kind of know what's going on, but I'm not sure what's going on." And then they both kind of like said it, kind of brushed it, and boom, it's just the scene's over. Yeah. The and I think and that but that was kind of a thing though, more so with the the remake. You got a lot of that like. They just kind of touched upon something and brushed it, and like it's it's done. And I think it was just kind of done for the sake of saying, "All right, we covered this base. Now on to the next. Yeah, we, we got to get to the next point." And you know, you didn't get that as much in the original one because I think in the original one, it really had to explain itself. It really had to give us a story, so that way we knew. Because if again, if that 2010 version came out. On its own, we never heard of Freddy Krueger, and that's what we got. There's a lot of unanswered questions versus we go into it with the knowledge that we have. We watch it. We know what's been there before. So we we get it. I like the first one because she brought the hat back. Yes. Not a piece of the sweater. Sweater's iconic, don't get me wrong, but the hat. And then she started questioning her mom. Who is Fred Krueger? What's going on here? Yeah, she brought the hat back. Now I was I was a little bit when I joked with you. I'm like, how many hats does this guy have? I like I kind of at the end he didn't have his hat on, and I noticed that, and I was like, God damn it, Newton! But I was kind of it was one of those things where like, who's Fred Krueger? And 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 but then she just throws the hat away. Her mom throws the hat away, and it's like, oh, don't worry about Fred Krueger. The other thing that kind of got me was like going back to where she's like all locked up in the house. The mom kind of locks her in. And I don't know why she would do that. If anything, I'd want my daughter to be able to get out or get yeah. to where she needs to be. And her mom, the, like I said, the mom character in the first one was just, was just kind of one of those things to where she was kind of off and kind of not ruin the movie for me, but just kind of looking at her, looking at the, the character that Nancy's mom played in the remake was like, man, this she's a horrible mother, you know. It just you know she she locked she locked her in, and then there's a scene on the bridge in the original with her and Johnny Depp, where she's learning how to set all these booby traps. Yeah, and and what what also got me too was set in Ohio. There's palm trees. They're on a bridge. There's palm trees behind them. I I know it's a little bit you know iffy on my part, but I'm like this is kind of if you're gonna set a scene, set a scene. And that scene kind of foretold what what was going to happen, but it didn't. She kind of set the traps without me knowing because I watched it last night. I watched it yesterday. I watched reading the book, and then all of a sudden, all the traps started. All the booby traps started happening, so so she could get them out. Now going back to the remake, when she pulled the piece of sweater out, that was to me is like, okay, okay, you know you can bring them back, but how do you know? You just brought back a piece of a sweater. At least the hat's kind of, the hat's symbolic. Hat, the hat. She, she, she knew who he was. She knew that now that she could, if she could, she was told she could bring back the dream, bring him back through the dream to to, to the real world. So she knew kind of knew what to do. Now, with that being said, in the scene where she falls asleep and Johnny Depp falls asleep, she's in her dream. And she's like, wake me up, wake me up, wake me up. And he's, he's sleeping. She's just kind of like, oh, you jerk. And then he just leaves. It's, 
it it's one of those things where you're like, all right, these kids, the, the kids that, I mean, I was a teenager then. I know what these kids would do. They wouldn't leave. They would, they, you know, they would basically say, hey, no, I'm going to stick with you. Stay with, stay with you. And he's just gone. Even though her mom was coming in the room, it's just, it, to me, it was just kind of, kind of like, okay, let's, like you said, let's move on to the next scene to where we can kind of for, foretell what, how we get Freddie out and how we get rid of Freddie. So you have a knack for talking up the scene. Just happened. Just <laughs> just climbed out the window. The mom just burst into the room. She pulled herself under the covers. Uh, but so, but like, and in the feathers floating because Freddie slashed the pillow. Yeah, there's one. Yeah, there's one feather. But her mom yeah. never mentions the feathers. I mean, I know no. as a teenager, if my, my down pillow was broke, my mom would beat my ass. Yeah, or at least my, like, my, whatever your pillow. My wife would beat my ass. <laughs> yeah, <even now. laughs> um, so one thing that you know I kind of take with that though, the way that this movie, you know, as they kind of hop these scenes, like this, at least for the original one, it's almost kind of like a, a play, you know, okay. where you kind of have to transition, you know, you get your point out with the scene, and now you got to move to the next next scene where now they're at the police station. Um, you know, the friend who's you know, being convicted of the murder or charged of the murder, you know, he's in the cell. So it's kind of like, all right, we now need to move this along. So I'll tell you, that seems pretty good too. Yep. That scene where he hangs himself, it's pretty good. I mean, it's one of those things where like, okay, I get this part because now Freddie's going to go after him and, and that, and that's the way he gets it done. And the way he did it was great by having him hang himself where it looks like he hung himself, even though he did die really quick. I mean, he, Epstein, come on, now we all know. But mm. it's it's one of those things where Freddie throw it happened really quick, you know, and he died. So, I, you know, I think that's one of those things about a movie like this is that, again, with Freddie being what it was then, and we don't know the personality that's going to come in the next couple movies, this is still terrifying. It's still psychological. Oh, yeah. When I look at, you know, the original, and just how, like, I always think about my daughter with horror movies. Because one thing I think I'm going to start doing, she's five, and I think when she's seven, maybe eight, I'm going to start showing her some of the old, old, old classics. Like, the things that aren't, like, scary now, but you can understand why they're scary for its time. Um, like, I recently on Shudder watched 13 Ghosts. And it's good, Great you know, it's, it's, it's good, but it's one of those things where it's like, I look at it now, it's not scary, but it is really good. And it's like, I can show that to my daughter, not now, but like in a couple of years and you're like, look, you know, this is where we're going to kind of start building this, this, you know, thing that we do here from August through October is watch horror movies. So you're going to be a part of this, but at what point, you know, well, obviously with Nightmare on Elm Street, you know, you show that tour at a later age, but it's like, it's like, I want to get the reaction. I want to get like that genuine, like, you know, watching that movie and that feeling, you know, when she's like maybe 14 or 15, not, not when she's 10. I, Um, I got the, back in the day, they used to have before HBO, they had on TV, on TV. Showed Friday the 13th. I was 10. 10 or 11. I was probably 10 or 11. And I got the, the talk with my mom. Watch it. It's just a movie. Just remember it's a movie. And that's the way I had it. When 
with the um, with every movie. Jump scares are awesome. Jump scares are like, man, they got me. But it's just a movie. And start her off. If you want to start her off with a good movie, man, that happened. Costello meet Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, I, I think that you know stuff like that's good. You know, it, it's good for her. I'm just, it's just good for the family period. You know, we, we try to do movie night. We try to do game night stuff. Um, you know, just trying to do family activities. So, you know, over time, you know, once, once she's older, you know, we start venturing into horror movies and I know the listeners out there, I, I keep forgetting, like, we're just like going about, I keep forgetting that we're actually recording a fucking podcast here. Um, <laughs> You know, for the listeners, don't judge me. All right, we do horror movies in this house. It used to be year all year round. You know, we cut it to August. You know, August, September, October, and like the first week of November. You know, we're trying to get it out of our system. Then we jump into the holidays. Uh, like uh, I don't know what the fuck Christmas elf. movies. Elf. Yeah, Elf. I guess. Yeah, I think we do Elf. We can, um, do, a, we can do a Christmas movie podcast too if you want. We'll, we'll talk on that. Let uh, me ask you this though. Yeah. As, as far as the Nightmare on Elm Street movies go, the endings for both movies, mm-hmm. which I know that, like, I know we talked about the the ending of the first one, the original, earlier, with it being kind of like with the roof coming off, which was yeah. kind of cool. But everybody's alive, everybody, you know, and she's like, "Mom, mom, mom." With that part being said, the ending for the remake was great. I enjoyed the ending to the remake, and I mentioned that to my wife the other night, too, because I didn't remember it, because I think just when I watched it the first time, I was just like, get me out of here. I'm done. I, you know, I'd like, just move on. But then once I, you know, went back and revisited, it was like, okay, I got some appreciation for it. I like the ending, like the, the coming through the mirror mm-hmm. and just kind of cutting it there. Yeah. We're, we're done. Like, yeah. no more. And, and that. I mean, it, it leaves it in that vein of like, look, the movie's over. We don't need more. Yeah. But if they wanted to, they could. But we don't need more. And I don't think people want a second new one. No. Um, I don't think people need a second new one. Mm-mm. I don't think people needed a second first one, to be honest with you. Even though I love the second one. I, yeah. I think that the way that it ended was great. The one... The end of the first one with the jump scare at the end, uh, it, it was kind of schlocky, but yeah. I get the point. It is So is there video of what, because I'm pretty certain they said they filmed a few different endings and the one that they came with was the one that Wes Craven didn't want. Is there video? Do you know if there's video of any of the others? I I haven't checked. I haven't seen. I'm sure if we if you deep dive into YouTube, you can find clips. But I I haven't seen it. I know that the audience originally hated the original ending. They, mm. That for whatever it was, they, I know they hated it in the, in the test readings, and they loved it. They loved the ending of the first one. The one that the one that they, I mean, Wes Craven might not have liked it, but the people loved it. Because it was that one last bam. And I think that's honestly where the final jump scare kind of got to start. I mean, yeah, you could say with Halloween with Michael being missing or gone or whatever. But mm, and maybe yeah. Friday, then Friday the 13th with Jason jumping out. But yeah, yeah, I would say even, that even even that one wasn't it wasn't planned. It was one of those things where we need something to send them home like, God damn, that was awesome. As opposed to yeah. just. 
for waking up in a you know in the middle of in a canoe. But the the, the Nightmare on Elm Streets the, with the way the sec with the remake ended, with like you said with him coming through the mirror, is like yeah. that's it, we're done. We're that's it. We're it's Freddy's there, you know, Freddy's still Freddy's still gonna be in your dreams, but we're not going any further than this one because if if they if they wanted to, they would have made it by now. Yeah. Uh, I don't think they're going to delve back into that character probably for another 20, 25 years. And honestly, they don't need to. I mean, they they can leave it where it is. They, there, there are characters that they don't need to mess with. And it's all a matter of the studio, though, too, because some studios, you know, you have to make a movie every so many years to keep the rights to certain characters. That's really big in the comic book community, especially, which is why we got, you know, certain Spider-Man and certain Fantastic Four films and X-Men films, because in order to reserve those rights, they needed to make a movie every seven years. I don't know that that's the deal with, you know, with Freddie. I doubt it because that was 2010. It's 11 years later. So and I know that Jason just got back to the original. Yes. Screenwriter. Yes. It, there was a lot of stuff going on with that because I know there was a game that was scheduled out and then they couldn't release the game because certain rights were not uh, allowed. And, you know, now the movies, I think there was a hold up on another Friday the 13th reboot that was supposed to be like a found footage style that was uh, held up because yeah, of, that. you know, the rights. So, you know, kudos to, to all that, you know, uh, in terms of Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, you know, I don't know, you know, what's what's there, what's going to be and when and we'll see dying. anything else. With, but yeah, yeah the, the movies, the movies themselves as pair about parallels to the movies are, are, are they're basically I get it. And like I said, they're, they're, they're both both. They seemed both rushed. The end, the endings, the, especially the endings. Yeah. The endings with when um, when she finally brings him back and he gets hit with a hammer, which is a great scene. It, it, and she and the fire, she started the fire. Yeah. To, yeah. To burn him. I don't know if that would have worked, but I also think that it kind of set to where, you know, the whole house is going to catch on fire. But how's she going to get out? She didn't. Yeah. She, if she's such a mess, she had such a master plan. Then what was her what was her what was her end game for lack of a better term? So I'm wondering with that though too, because you know, as I'm looking at the scene now, you know, she's talking to the mom, and I'm wondering if it's like, all right, she already had this plan with the booby traps, and it, it was like I can't double back. <laughs> like we'll just figure it out when we get there. But it, it's like when you set that fire, it's like you've already kind of committed to something. Like you've committed to this is it, and then but yeah, now now you're trapped. Yeah, she's she's is she willing to die? That that's kind of what th went through my head. Is she willing to die to bring Freddy Krueger back so her dad can get to him? And then when they go up to the mom's bedroom and he's wrestling with the mom, and he kind of sucks her down to that whatever blue yeah. laser blade. It's and he's like like when she turns her back on him, she's like, "Well, I'm not afraid of you anymore." With that cheesy light effect when he kind of tried to get her jumped at, yeah. jumped at her it, i i get i get it was the 80s but you didn't need that you know she could have kind of got away from him without him disappearing into wherever he went so i i will say with that ending though 
if they would have, I mean, discounting like you're the actual, like, you know, final scene. And then, but like, if that's how they stopped right there, you know, I take the power away because I'm not afraid of you. I don't believe you, whatever it may be. That's one of those things where I'm like, you know what? I'm okay with that. You know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That, that, gives, that's a great that point. gives it its final. But yeah, yeah I, the not. effect, though, I agree. The effect was a little like, eh, try harder. Well, yeah. Yeah, I know you're on a budget, but in the end of the movie, but you could try a little bit harder. Get a, get a little I mean, bit more. If if you turn your back on an entity like Freddy, Freddy should have been like the melting witch in Wizard of Oz. Yeah, more I mean, of a meltdown, more of a Indiana Jones and the Nazi type scene. Yeah, would have been a little bit more. It's kind of like that fire, like the burning, the fire that he had for the kids on Elm Street, kind of getting back to him, getting back at him. It would have been a great, great ending right then yeah. and there. Like, and she could have walked out of the house with her mom and her dad, hugged her dad and said, dad, it's over. And then, and maybe then the jump scare, but for yeah. that scene for where he just goes, boom, and he's gone. Now I know he, uh, well, I kind of, with the, with the second one, he kind of embedded himself in the house, which I can kind of appreciate yeah. now, but you know they could have they could have ended it on a note where where they see him kind of embed himself in the house and they're out of the house and they get they they get gone you know kind of like poltergeist but yeah it's done like it's final like we're done we're out yeah. of here type deal and you mm-hmm. know that would have been perfectly fine by by me if that's how it went um, and yeah, and then again, you get your jump scare at the end. That that's fine too. Uh, you know, I'm okay with the jump scare end because, but you know that that especially during that time, it was kind of the just the style. Give it the jump scare, um, and then you know when you jump to the remake in 2010, you know even with that ending with him coming through the mirror, that's fine. Like you know we can end on that note. Again, it doesn't sound like there like there are any plans to do anything. I, I didn't really look into it. I guess I should have, but I'm not a very good podcaster. I just have people and we talk shit. So, yeah, <laughs> I don't do research. You're, 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 they're they're going to be listening to this around the world, man. We're going to get a hundred thousand listeners. I want to talk about Nancy for a quick second. I know we've yep. we've kind of we've been out for a while. The Heather Camp talked to her mom like nobody talks to their mom. She called her mother. Mm-hmm. She, she called her, you know, she called her dad, dad, which is fine, but she called her mom, mother. She never, she hardly ever called her mom. She, you know, she just, the way she talked to her, the way she talked to her was very, I want to say methodical and a, kind of in a way that teenagers don't talk to their parents. I'd never called my mom mother at all. It felt like there was, it, it, there wasn't a relationship there. Okay. Okay. Then why she lived there? Because you know their parents were divorced. Um, and I mean, it could have just been, you know, I mean, you know, know how that that you know game gets played. It's like, well, we're gonna give custody to the mom. You know, she gets the house. The kid stays here because she has a house type deal. Dad mm-hmm. gets the apartment. So, you know, dad takes been, to Denny's on Christmas. <laughs> yeah, you know, it and it could have just been one of those things because when you when you look at that relationship, she is closer. You know, or I don't want to say closer, but there seems to be a thing with that where it's like, yeah, she calls him dad. There, there seems to be a genuine like, dad will save me type deal. Dad is my hero, whereas mom, 
is kind of like you're just a person that's here. Yeah, yeah, like, you're, you I'm take kind of living you. here, kind of in, kind of in this place now, and it, it, with with the relationship that Nancy had with her mom, and the second and the remake was a lot better. Yeah, at least the mother was more attentive to her needs, more of a, a motherly figure, and you can tell she's kind of distant. But that's more on Nancy's part than the mom's part. With yeah. with Nancy, the, the character. And this Nancy played this that was played in the second in the remake was more of like I said a loner kind of a she didn't have a lot of friends, and then her friends her friends, the first one of the friends had like they had a little cluster of friends they had a little group yeah, the second one she didn't have group she had the one guy who liked her, and the one guy and her the one blonde friend who wouldn't be friends with her in real life let's be honest none of those people would be friends, you know we all know how high school was it was very clicky. And they wouldn't hang out with a loner. They'd actually probably make fun of Nancy for being a loner, the, the group that she had. And, um, you know, with her working at the diner, which was which was, which was was another good scene. You know, with yeah. the one guy who liked her, shy, you know, shy, too shy to, uh, you know, ask her out or whatever. And then he's like, why didn't you ever ask me out? And he's like, well, you know, whatever. But they, you could just tell with the, the second one, that was that group of friends that they had, even though they all ended up dead, they were more of a clicky type thing with Nancy kind of on the outskirts, but the other guy yeah. having pals with him kind of being on the outskirts too. Now, as far as the first one goes, you had, you had the, the, the football player, the greaser type guy, the, the blonde bimbo, and then Nancy, Nancy, and they were all pals. You know, they all rode in the car together at the end. So there seemed to have been, when you look at, you know, the, the original one with their click and it's almost kind of more like, you know, what the breakfast club was, you know, around that time too. It's almost kind of like, you know, their friends, like, you know, whether it be, they live on the same streets, you know, it's just like, uh, we're friends, we hang out, but it's not like, you know, we get to school. We still got our own little clicks here. Whereas like you look at the newer one, like you said, you know, there's the one little click and then Nancy's kind of on the, you know, on her little Island on the outside, but she's still, you know, part of it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think there is stuff to be said about, you know, things like that in those stories, because I, I feel like those relationships have to be established. Like when you look at Scream, you know, you know, there was that click, that that group of friends. Mm-hmm. And even within that group of friends, you can still tell that there were groups within the group. You know, you know, you, you had, you know, uh, Jamie Kennedy's character, who's the really the movie freak nerd mm-hmm. who they accepted him. But he was still a fucking weirdo. But you know, you're yeah. our weirdo. You know, well, they were all they, they were all all the guys in the movie were weird in their own ways. Yeah, well, exactly. The, the only the only one that was really, uh, you know, stained was the one who got her mom killed. One who's one whose mom was killed. Yeah, Sydney. With the sec with the remake, the remake kind of made me think a little bit with with you know the the whole boiler room scenes. With Nancy being tormented by her friends, with with the Freddy character uh, being the one that I knew when I was thirteen or fourteen, but being reimagined as as this this being that just kind of was, you know, set up to be torture, pedophile, and uh, that's the way I watched it. Now the original I watched as the original. With with Freddie, 
being where Freddie came from with Freddie and their dreams kind of as a fresh approach to it. Cause I haven't seen the original in probably 15 years. And it, it, it was, it was one of those things where I knew when it was made, you know, 83, 84, 85, but it was because uh, I kind of gave it up. I gave it a, I gave it a clean slate with as far as production values and stuff like that. But yeah, it was yeah. one of those movies where if I'm 15 years, 15 years old, not now it's not going to scare me, but back then it was, you know, you're like, shit, this is pretty freaking crazy. And that's something I always try to keep in mind with watching any movie, especially, you know, if it's dated, is I try to put myself in the times because that was the thing when they show, you know, in 2007, they showed all these kids, the original Halloween, and they're like, this is supposed to be scary. It's like, well, I mean, again, you know, you've seen a whole different world compared to mm-hmm. what the world saw back then. But also, like, horror, horror was a different thing back then versus now. I mean, by the time, you know, you get your Halloween in 2007, that reboot, you know, or your remake, you, at this point, have already had Scream. I know what you did last summer. You, you've had, you know, all the Nightmare on Elm Street, all the Friday the 13th, all the other Halloween movies, um, you, you know, Hellraisers. Yeah, you you've had all these other movies now where a slasher movie now doesn't have the same effect that it would have had in 78. So, you know, with Nightmare on Elm Street, yeah. you know, being in the 80s, that is the same effect then too. And I do appreciate what they did with the remake because like I said, there there was kind of, you know, they didn't try to make it, you know, the Freddy that we know and love. They tried to take it a step back and say we need to give you a scary Freddy again. We need to make mm-hmm. this a character that is, you know, or tor- a tormentor, you know, not someone that's going to be, you know, charming. You know, we don't want charming. We want, you know, terrifying. And, and, want, and it works. I, yeah, it did work. It did. And it worked in both movies. It, yeah, it, both, yeah. both movies on their own work. It worked. And, and, and you're right. We, we don't want sunglasses, Freddy. We want, I want Freddy to show up in my dreams, slice me up. It's like kids, not me personally, but kids, <laughs> uh, you know, kids that didn't deserve, you know, kind of didn't deserve what they were going through, but kind of earned, earned it from what their parents did to him. And, and like I said, going back to the, the making that's the soft spot for the killers, people, that, people, didn't, people don't go to movies now or then to see Nancy. Yeah. You know, they went to go see Nancy get killed. And that's where it kind of sets the point to where with the second one, I want to know why, where, and when Nancy got to where he was. You're my favorite. You're my favorite girl. Yeah. You're you're the one. You know, all the other ones don't matter. You're the one. Come to my special place. You know, which was creepy. And yeah. and, and and it as a whole, the remake was as good, if not better, than the first one. I'm I, and I know I'm going to get a lot of hell for saying that, but if you watch it, if you watch it as a horror movie, as a psychological thriller with some slasher aspects, it's way better than the first one. So two weeks ago, I would have been in that group saying, what the fuck are you talking about? After having watched it twice over the last week, now I'm like, you know what? I get it. You know, I definitely get it now because I, when I first saw it again, I did not like it, but I went in with like preconceived Freddy ideals in my mind already and already mm-hmm. expecting this movie to fail. 
Um, you know, and now I look at it, it's like, no, wait a minute. There's a different story here. And like you said, we have similar characters that we're working with between the two films, you know, with the similar path through and through, but you know, their destinations, you know, they, it's almost kind of like, um, mirror versions. It's like, mm, yeah, they're the same, but you know, there's, there's some differences, you know, but the, at the end of the day, they're still the same thing. Yeah. They, when I think about, you know, again, with where Nightmare on Elm Street was back then and where it is now as a, as a franchise, as, as uh, Freddy Krueger as a character, you know, I, I think this is a character as long as they do it like they did for the original one and for the remake, as long as they approach that character that way, this can always be a terrifying character. Yeah. But as soon as they start making them funny and, and full of personality and sass, it's no longer scary. Because in the remake, Freddy had no personality. Freddy no. Was, Freddy was a creepy Freddy was a creepy guy who probably shouldn't have had that job. Like, and so was he was he a groundskeeper? He was a groundskeeper, right? <laughs> that that was playing with the kids? Yeah, it's groundskeeper, yeah. That's where that and that's where the glove came from with his scissors, I guess. To cut weeds or whatever, and yeah, and he, he made you know they showed him making the glove and everything, but yeah, I mean it's just one of those things to where with and that's why it's kind of like going back with the origination story. I I get it now. You know you you kind of know what's going to happen. You're kind of hoping a little bit more, and you got a little bit more with the second one, with the remake, just from them. You know, chasing him down. You know, he got off on a technicality, and then all of a sudden, they just show him running through the boiler, runs at the factory, and then that's pretty much you know where it manifested itself. So, I don't know what the future is going to be for the Freddy Krueger character in the franchise of the movies. I'm actually with my with my figures downstairs. I am going to do a horror movie Mount Rushmore. I just need to figure out my fourth one that has some meaning to me. Right now, the ideals go with Michael, Jason, Freddy as the obvious three. The fourth one, it's it's tough for me because I don't have any real connection to Pinhead. I don't particularly care for Chucky and Ghostface from Scream. I just feel like people connect too much now to scary movie, and it's like yeah. But I gotta figure out a fourth one for that that Mount Rushmore of horror. I might go with Pinhead um, just not because, you know, but it, I did see a picture of Leatherface, though, yeah. too. There you go. So I always forget. So I may have to see if I can get, uh, see if I can find a, a, a Leatherface uh, figure and start getting to work on this because it it's, I always talk about it. I just need to do it. But also, um, just to show, like, people know I love horror movies. And it's like, as much as I love comic books and comic book movies, I probably watch horror movies just as much. So, I, you know, I want I that like represented. I, like I said in the first one, man, there was a time in my life where my mom and dad sat me down like, are you okay? Because I was into everything. Everything. Yeah. It was, if it was on the VHS shelf in video one, this is the days before Blockbuster. And they, they got a lot of stuff that you couldn't get a Blockbuster. We had a store here called Thomas Video. 
that showed everything. Anchor Bay with Evil Dead and, you know, 10,000 Maniacs and Slumber Party Massacre. You know, Friday nights were horror movies in my house. And then my friends were there. And that's what we did, you know? I mean, that's that's the beauty of, you know, kind of embracing the Shutter app. Because it's like there's always something. There, always, there's always, always it, you know, it, every Friday they give you something new, you know, and if you haven't gotten to it before or they refresh the catalog, um, you know, I, I it's probably my most used app. It used to be the UFC Fight Pass. I still watch fights. I still love watching people get punched in the head, but it, it's like I don't watch it as much. It used to be I would put on some fights and I'd go to bed to it. Now it's back to that. It's that time of year. I put on Shutter. And then I put it on uh, whatever's going live, and I just let it play. I wake up. If you up go to bed watching Shutter, you're a good man. Because <laughs> some of those, some of those scenes, you're like, man, it's like the other night when you when you texted me about Motel Hell, which really needs a remake. Like so, so, and that's the thing. There's some things I feel like should get remakes. Not it, it's just because it's like I feel like at the time it just didn't get number one the the like notoriety at the time, but also the effects, you know, there's so much more you can do now, but that's a scary thing too, because sometimes people go a little heavy handed with the effects yeah, and almost ruin a movie because of effects. Yeah. So, you know, motel hell, you know, could, you know, could really go for a, a remake. I think when they start doing remakes though, the, the problem is they want to go with something that's a bigger name. So they know like, well, we know we're going to make money with this. Like they remade the thing again, uh, you know, we got Nightmare on Elm Street, Halloween, Friday the 13th. They're going, there's a Chucky TV series. You know, it's like they're going with stuff that they know they can make money off of because of the name. And it's like, yeah, but like, be brave, take a risk. Yeah, you know? let's see, Farmer Vincent. Let's, let's see. I'll tell you, there's some scenes in that movie when he puts the pig hat on and the chain, there's a chainsaw <laughs> fight. You don't see those. Yeah. You I know, mean, it's one, and when you're 15, 16, 17 years old, you're like, these guys are going after each other with chainsaws. Somebody's going to get messed up. I mean, you know, I think that's something that could be reimagined and put on film now and, and done really well. I think, um, what was it? There, there's a couple others on shutter that they're not too, too old, but they're in that pocket where it's like, look, there's been enough time, you know, like the early two thousands was like, look, you, you could probably actually make some, something of this. Let's go ahead and run, roll the dice. I'd remake Maniac Cop. I think it's, it's. I believe that that was on there. I don't think it's on there now. It was on there. Um, I want to say two months ago, three months ago. If you get a it, chance, watch it. It's watch it, watch it, and you're like, man, this this need this movie, especially nowadays with the climate that we're in. Yeah, you could reimagine that. Into something that would be, uh, it would it would make people be like, "Damn!" I mean, they hate police more than they do now, but you you could you, you well, I can't say that really, but you could you could make it to where that the character is just so methodical and such a true killer and a and a quote a maniac for lack of a better term that it would make you just. People, people would think, and people would be like, it'd get a lot, of, it'd get a lot of shit from both sides. But it's one of those movies where you can be like, okay, we can make, we can make a movie like this. 
sometimes it's okay to take a risk, but I think also when it, I say that now as a guy with no money who's not making films versus, you know, a studio <laughs> executive who's like, well, yeah, you say take a risk, but, you know, I don't feel like dumping millions of dollars into something. It's like, well, you don't have to dump millions. I mean, Hellraiser like had a small budget and, and it worked, you know, uh, Blumhouse has a small budget. Well, they have small budgets yeah. and it worked. A24 small budgets and it works. I mean, it like, that's the thing too, with certain movies, they, it's not so much about the budget. It's not so much about the name. Just give us a good story. If you sell me a good and story, a good story. I mean, good stories sell. It's just you got to give us the good story. I mean, like the the HBO, um, you know, HBO does great with a lot of their series. You know, they just give you a good story, and people cling to it. You know, just that that's the important thing instead of saying oh well we want it. like you know we get the child's play remake with mark hamill as chucky's voice and it was interesting i didn't hate it but it, it was definitely yeah, but something everybody, like they panned it yeah well because again everybody went in with this ideal of we know what chucky is we want that chucky but you get this this ai thing that is still terrifying in its own right especially now everybody having you know alexa and siri and all the shit you know operating our homes that's fucking terrifying and people you know it was like no that's not a good movie it was it was pretty solid um but that's the thing when when you try to play off of something that already has a name yep so yeah um but either way with the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise, you know, love it or hate it, you know, it changed horror uh, in its time. And in and, and it, you know, Freddy Krueger especially, like I said, became a pop icon and everyone knew what a Freddy Krueger was. He was everywhere. He was on billboards. He was in magazines. On he was in my bedroom. Show. I, had a, I had a poster. I mean, I mean, like. You know, yeah, he posters. He, he was everywhere. So I mean, you know, hats off to Wes Craven and his creation and Robert England for you know playing the hell out of that character that they wanted someone else for anyway. And you know, they they took a chance with them. So hopefully, you know, if they do something new with it, we get a little bit more heart and a little bit more depth. But yeah. these two, the the original and the remake. I'm okay with them. I'm okay with recommending them to people. And I'm at the end right now where she just turned her back on Freddy. We got some shitty special effects. And he's gone. So on that note, let's go ahead and finish out here. Uh, Newt, thank you, as always, for doing this with me. Um, it's always a good time. Any shout-outs or mentions? Where can we find you out on social media? Uh, Newt928 at Twitter and Twitter? Uh, that's about it. Yeah, Twitter. New, right. new 928. Uh, big shout out to my man Tommy. Got the baby coming soon. Absolutely. Little, little Cruz is coming. He was the surprise of the last podcast we did. I was shocked. Can't wait for the boy to get here. He sent me some cigars for my birthday. Uh, playing on a Tiger game next year. Bring bring us Sophie and uh, thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. And, and I'm available for you whenever you need me. And if not, if I don't talk to you, we'll talk in uh, April. WrestleMania. Oh, of course. And then we'll Definitely. do October next year, man. 
definitely, definitely. And um, like I said, it's always a great time having you on here. As I always say to all the listeners, thank you for listening. I, I appreciate the hell out of everyone. I say it every episode and I will always say it because without you all listening, you know, this doesn't work. So, you know, I appreciate you all. Big shout out to Armbar Attic, Eric and Ali doing fun things over there. Actually, they're going to be competing very soon uh, uh, at Worlds. Actually, by the time it's come out, I think it may have already happened. Sorry. But uh, big shout out to, uh, to you all anyway. Um, go check out the website, Armbar Attic. Um, also, big shout out to Colompton Social Club. It's my other show with my buddy Stevie. Uh, the numbers are growing over there. I don't know what we're doing, but it's, it, it, we're, we're doing something. And it looks like we're getting a lot of follows by, you know, follows from uh, breweries and beer companies because we do beer reviews. Well, Steve does beer reviews. I don't. I just drink. But um, otherwise, you know, again, thank you, everyone. Like I said, the rest of this month, we're going to be doing horror movies. So next week, be prepared for uh, Friday the 13th. We're going to dig into that a little bit with my niece, Echo. She's going to be coming back and. uh as usual, if you have any questions, concerns, reach out to me off the mats podcast on Instagram, bjj.wiki on Instagram. Um, I have a Twitter, I just don't go to it. And um, uh, email. But um, otherwise, thank you all. Y'all keep listening, and I will keep making these podcasts. Thank you, everyone. Bye, bitches. Now let me see his song.